right, so welcome to the Nurses in the No Show. I'm your co-host, Kristen, and this is... The other co-host, Hannah. And we would like to welcome you to the... Nurses Nurses in the the No Show. Show! Thank you so much for listening so far. Today we have a very special guest, Sadie Glisson from The Remote Nurse. Sadie, you want to introduce yourself to us? Yeah, sure. I am. My name is Sadie, obviously. Um, I am a nurse. I'm a RN and I basically have like an online platform that helps nurses, nurse practitioners and physician assistants find remote telehealth jobs. Um, it's basically like a pretty, a pretty big online community and then also a job board. And you can basically just go on there and enter in all your credentials and your state license and stuff and kind of find some jobs online that are available. That's a short description <laughs> of yeah. what I do. Yeah, I mean, you have a really cool role. And I mean, I know a lot of nurses that want to do telehealth, work yes. from home, get that sweet, sweet gig. Yeah. So how did you, um, so you are a nurse. How did mm-hmm. you become a nurse? How did you get into this? Kind of tell us your story, your background. We want the deep. Yeah. The dirty deeds. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, we're going to like you. <laughs> there, there's nothing dirty. It's all, it's all boring. No, <laughs> um, no, I am a registered nurse. I went to, we talked about this before this, but I went to UCF, University of Central Florida. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and I got my bachelor's in nursing, obviously. And then um, I had a crisis because <laughs> I realized I really hated working bedside, even though I hadn't worked there yet. It was just my practicum and I kind of hated it. Yeah, I was like, uh oh, this isn't good. <laughs> Here I am. Hey, at least you admit it because a lot of people be out there saying, oh, I love nursing. Yes, and that interview, this is my dream job. And they're like, yeah. I just need money. That's it. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> Yeah, so I I was my practicum it was like overnights in the on a peds floor, which was fine, and I was I was okay with that. I was gonna be like I was gonna deal with that, <laughs> but I didn't really want to deal with my job. So I kind of liked public health and like nursing school that we did like school nursing and stuff like that, and I liked that. So I spent a couple months unemployed trying to find a job in public health, and I finally landed one as like a care coordinator for a special needs kind of Medicaid program, which is basically like a case manager. Um, You have like a set load of patients that you follow over time and help them get their, you know, referrals and their meds and their DME stuff and fight their fires basically. (laughs) So I did that for two years and then I, I transitioned over to clinical research. um, And I did that for another two years in pediatric oncology research And then at that point, um, my husband is also a nurse. He's actually now a nurse practitioner. But um, at the time, he was joining the military, and we were going to be moving around a lot. Or, you know, so I thought I didn't know how long that was going to last. So um, I had also at the same time heard about like a job kind of within clinical research where you could read charts and basically just like pull data and do that from home. So I was all about that. And I also wanted to start a family at that time pretty soon. And I really wanted to be home with my kids and stuff. So all those things kind of cascaded into me trying to look for any remote job I could find. (laughs) So um, I was searching for jobs for a couple of months and I just like found all kinds of different jobs that were out there that I had never even heard of. No one had ever 
taught me about these jobs or said that they were an option. It was just kind of stuff I stumbled across on the internet. Um, and then finally, I did land a job as that original, you know, data abstraction job in research. So I was doing that from home um, for a couple of years. And I was on a bunch of nursing Facebook groups and just there was always like random comments from people asking how to work from home as a nurse. And I already knew a bunch of different jobs and how to find them and all that stuff. So I was like repetitively commenting the same stuff over and over. So I just made my own group and that exploded. <laughs> like I, I, I made it. And within a year we had like almost, I think we had like 20,000 people in that Facebook group after just a year of just sharing wow. jobs. Like that was all I was doing was just finding jobs basically on Indeed and Google and sharing them. That was it. That's <laughs> like, crazy. It just goes to show how like little known these jobs were if that's all I was doing. And it was like gaining so many people, you know? So at that time, it was taking up all quite a bit of my time. So <laughs> I started kind of making it more into an actual platform because originally the, the group was just like, remote nursing jobs. And it was just this random group. So then I kind of transformed it into like the remote nurse and tried to do a, a couple more social media platforms because not everyone's on Facebook. And it just kind of grew into what it is now, which is basically a job board. Um, the online communities are still thriving, like wild. But now I think there's like 40,000 people in that group. Wow. But yeah, I just basically sit in my home office all day finding jobs and sharing them. That is basically the non-glamorous <laughs> description of what I do. And a lot of people, a lot of nurses have found jobs and just learned about different opportunities and stuff like that. So that's, that's long-winded. That's, that's my really, story. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we both are kind of in awe because that's awesome. I mean, we know we've got a lot of people that have young families that mm -hmm. they just, they want to find something from home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially ICU nurses. During COVID, they're like, we're, uh, we're yeah. done. Yeah. You get an out there. <laughs> you yeah. get burnout. Yeah. And like they tell you in nursing school, like, oh, you're going to go and be a nurse and you're going to do bedside. And then if you, you want have to, to do bedside, you have to do bedside. Yeah. And if you well, continue yeah. on, then you will either go to NP school right. and be an NP or right. you'll go Management. to CRNA school or mm -hmm. you'll climb the clinical ladder. And that's yep. it. Those are your only options. And that's yeah. not true. It and isn't. that's why we started Nurses in the Know, because we we kind of realized ourselves, like, there are so many different things that you can do besides bedside. Yeah. And then we ran into being on the unit. And now that, I mean, the turnover rates are so high in the area that we're in, just countrywide, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like that. But these younger nurses are like, we don't think we want to do this. Our contract is going to be up soon. You know, what can we do? And then they look at Hannah and I are like, oh, well, you know, what do you, what do you, what's you guys' plan? And we're like, well, more schooling, but then people are talking to us and, and it's like, there are more options out there. You can go do this or you can go do that. And then we're mm -hmm. like managing up these younger nurses that yeah. come to us asking questions. And a lot of them are like, we're going to travel because we can make stupid money. And I'm like, guys. There are other things that you can do that have more like stability than just one travel assignment to another. Yeah, not yeah. To, not to hate on travel assignments. No, no, but, no, no. But also, like, you could start a travel assignment and then get dropped a week in, and then you're screwed. Like, right. <laughs> Either I mean, way, you're true. screwed. 
Right. I mean, we've seen and we've heard both sides of it. It's just a lot of people aren't wanting to do traditional bedside anymore. And they mm-hmm. just feel like either they have to quit the profession altogether or they have to do, go do something completely different or go back to school. And I feel it's it's absolutely amazing to hear your story because you blazed your own trail in, in the direction that you wanted to go. And you didn't conform to like this cookie cutter style of what nurses should be right out of school. And I applaud yeah. you for that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was fed the same narrative. Like when when I said I just wanted to go into public health, I mean, everybody was like, that's a terrible idea. You'll never be able to get back into the hospital. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> what does that matter? But I mean, even I had those fears too, because I was like, okay, well, what if I lose my job? And then I can't, you get, you get this fear instilled in you that like, you won't have a job if you don't go bedside when like, that is far from true. I haven't been bedside, in, you know, ever. And I'm sure they're bleeding hard enough to like even take me in right now so (laughs) (laughs) like don't lie to me (laughs) all right so let's talk about becoming a remote nurse so let's say hypothetically of course (laughs) let's say I wanted to leave the bedside and do something besides bedside Sadie Mm -hmm. there's a few options for me so yes case management remotely right we had yeah. our first episode. We have a case. We had a case manager come on and talk right. about that. He was in house. Yeah. Yeah. He but he was inpatient case management. Yeah. What mm-hmm. What do you do as a remote case manager? How does someone get into that kind of position? Yeah. So a case manager basically has a caseload of patients that they follow. Um, you could have like a general caseload where you have like fifty, a hundred, even hundreds of patients, depending on like how much touch you actually do with that patient is kind of how they determine how big your caseload would be, I guess. But um, you basically follow those patients and you're there to help basically bridge all the gaps in healthcare <laughs> so that they get what they need. So you could you could be dealing like, um, like the inpatient side where you're kind of dealing with um, what's happening while they're inpatient and how they're getting home and what supplies they need at home and what meds and all that stuff. Um, or it's like, you know, out just in on, with an insurance company, just in general, like these patients need these meds and they're having problems getting them. Um, you know, they need like authorizations for these meds or they need a different level of care and they don't know what they're doing <laughs> and doctors don't have time to do this. So basically a case manager would step in and kind of help uh, guide that patient from point A to point Z, basically, is what a case manager would do. Um the way to get into case management in general is really like you have to just there's no like clean way to get in. It's pretty competitive even in a non-remote setting just because a lot of nurses want that like to get away from the bedside. Yeah. Um, but I always say in order to get like a remote case management job, honestly, the best way and like not the greatest answer, but it, it really is to get experience as a case manager in general. Um, and then it's going to be so much easier after a couple of years to go remote. But we've had a lot of people that have also just applied to case management jobs remotely and they have either med surge experience or ICU or whatever, and they land those jobs as well. So there's no clear cut way. Um, I would just say it's pretty competitive in the non-remote world. And then it's even more astronomically competitive in the remote world. So um, if you can just get any kind of wide reaching experience, they usually like you to have like 
med surge or ICU or something where you're seeing a wide variety of patients with all kinds of weird comorbidities and issues and stuff. Um, Cause then you're probably more equipped to handle a wide range of patients and case management as well. And then there's also specialty case management for like certain uh, populations uh, like transplant case management and like even maternity. There's some of those too. So it really depends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, so I, it, and we say this all the time and even just not just the podcast, but even just like to our little baby hens in the ICU when they ask us, Oh, what I, what do I do? I want to get out of here. Not that our unit is terrible. I'm not saying that by any means, but they're just burnt out. Um, the best thing to do sometimes is to just apply, like make your, make sure your resume is on fleek as the, the kids say. (laughs) (laughs) Do they still say that? No, but it's, it's true though. Like you have to make yourself marketable and just apply like, yeah. And have, yeah. I mean, because no nurse goes into their nursing career having case management experience yet. There are thousands of case managers. So it's no different than being a new grad and applying straight to the ICU. Like you're not qualified for that. You don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> but right. they still hire you because there's a training process and you know, you have the core requirements. So it's just another avenue to apply to. Um, and most hospitals have a case management department that you could contact and just call and be like, I'm interested in this role. Like, do you have any open spots or can I shadow you? Uh, that's a good way to, to shadow and just kind of be like, hi, I exist when a position opens up. Right, right. And that kind of brings us to the next point. Like that makes you more marketable for that position. Right. And that has been kind of a generalized theme across all of our guests so far has been, hey, there's this kind of specialty thing that I really want to get into. How do I get into it? And it's been always like apply. Right. (laughs) Tell the manager you're interested and shadow. Like, Mm-hmm. see if you even like it like what if you get there and you're like actually I hate sitting at a desk and making phone calls all day I'd rather <laughs> wipe butt even if you don't really want to shadow like you're like I don't really care to shadow it's still good to meet those people because then you know them yeah. and then in six months when a position does open they maybe would reach out to you and be like hey before we post this do you remember you that girl yeah, that's another sure. big thing. Like a part of market being making yourself more marketable is your networking. So telling yeah. them, "Hey, my name is so and so. I really would like this. Put me on a list. Think about me." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or anyone so, you know that is in that role too. Start. That's true. Becoming friends. Real talk, <laughs> because what everyone really cares about is pay. How, in your experience, since you're kind of really seeing the job market pretty much continuously how's the how's the pay especially for uh, remote case management um it's it's good it really does depend I guess the definition of good will be dependent on where you live because a lot of these case management positions they sometimes will be like a flat kind of salary but it's open to nurses nationwide so usually it's in the in the range of like 60 to 80 grand a year for case management which sounds good to like a nurse in Florida, but a nurse in New York is like, I can't survive off of that. So it's sometimes a, it's sometimes a good pay and sometimes a bad pay, depending on where you live. 
Um, but then there are some companies that hire specifically from those states and like they're based in those states. So they pay those state rates. So if you're like a nurse in one of the high cost of living and high income um, states, it's probably best to try to focus on companies and stuff that are based in your state. Otherwise, wow. your, your salary yeah. might not be good enough for you. <laughs> Unfortunately, makes sense though. That's the truth of it. I mean, if somebody was on like right now looking on their phone or online listening to us, um, and they might not have even thought about that, yeah, yeah, that's one of the weird things about remote jobs is like it's really not always based on your location as what you expect, you know, in a nursing job because it's there is no location. Yeah, and true. the demand is so heavy that sometimes these employers can kind of do whatever they want because there are so many nurses who are desperate for these jobs that I've seen nurses take like $20 an hour, like RNs take, taking that because they just, they need to be away from bedside. So that's a problem in itself, but it's also like, <laughs> it's like between a rock and a hard place for, for nurses to make that decision too sometimes because it's like, I'm so burnt out. I'm like going to leave the field completely. So I'd rather make $20 an hour, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's, it's like not a fun situation to choose between, but you see, it sometimes right. happens. So you, that, so that is, that's an interesting point that you bring up because, you know, Hannah and I were discussing that too, as a potential for like another episode later on is talking about, you know, especially with people that travel as well, like, do you just agree to that price and our nurses as whole just agreeing or even advanced practicing nurses agreeing to these prices that are actually undermining, you know, what we're really worth? Just because they're burnt yes. out. Right. Because they're burnt out or they just take it because it's like the first job or yeah. it's what's available well, and, and they want to move to that state or something of that nature. Yeah. And I really think a lot of these companies are either consciously or unconsciously using that to their advantage. I mean, just as a business, it makes sense. Like, why right. would you pay someone more than they're, you want to? Right, right. <laughs> so from that end, I can see, pay. but yeah. it. But I, I have seen a lot of people like bashing nurses for taking low pay. And like, I definitely don't agree with taking low pay if, if you don't need to. But like, when you really look at it, if that nurse is faced with like really leaving the job market... <laughs> Or just like going to Starbucks because they don't want to deal with this anymore. Like you have to kind of take that and be like, okay, well, this, it's not realistic for me to say, hey, I'm going to continue making $40 an hour or I'm going to take $20 an hour. It's like, no, I'm leaving the field and making no money or I'm going to take my $20. Right. So it, it sucks. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not a good answer. I don't want that answer, but it's like, that's the reality of it. Right. Especially now when it's just like, there's so much burnout and then COVID is like a, f a mess, you know, so it's, like, <laughs> it's like, it's making it really hard. And I, yeah. and I think that that brings us to another really interesting point is that COVID is really driving a lot of people away from the hospitals. And it's like, mm -hmm. they, as nurses in healthcare practicing, I mean, they're just like, we don't want to put our families at risk. Yeah. We're gonna get sick of it. Like it's true too. <laughs> like the mm -hmm. you know, like you're tripled in ICU, you're not getting paid. You you're not getting paid yeah. like extra for working. It, it, it's just it's insane. It's yeah. yeah. And you're putting yourself at high risk and you have these high acuity patients like PCUs are flexing up and med surge and med is flexing up and 
I mean, people are done. Yeah. yeah. And they're burnt out. And, but, and then you and think about it. And everyone's dying. Like, and from a structural standpoint of your family life and home life, if you're the healthcare person that's deemed in your family, you're taking care of anybody and everybody. Like grandma, grandpa, extended cousin that's taking care. You know, you're the person that they're going to call. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're yeah, it from every it's end. Like, it's a cascade of <laughs> problems. <laughs> okay. So we talked a little bit about case management and working case management remotely. Um, some other avenues I've heard of utilization review remotely. What even is that? <laughs> I mean, I know, but not all of no, us. I know. I know. Most people don't. Um, so utilization management is kind of more on like the financial and business end of, uh, healthcare really. Um, you're basically, if you're a utilization management nurse, you're trying to contain costs basically. And you're basically, if you, if you get services requested, uh, for a patient or whatever, you're kind of putting that up against like the standardized guidelines or what is covered by insurance or whatever, and making sure that that kind of falls in that line. So that facilities or insurance companies or whatever aren't overspending on kind of unnecessary things. Um, so you could even, you could do that before services are rendered, which would be like a prior authorization uh, time point mm-hmm. um, where a doctor or whatever requests a service and you kind of look and see if that is covered and then approve it or not. Um, and then there's concurrent review, which is kind of in real time. Um, most of those would be like in the hospital inpatient. So you're kind of reassessing daily if the patient still meets criteria to uh, be hospitalized and have that paid for. <laughs> and um, and then there's also like afterwards. So um, after the service is done, you could either be looking at it in like a retrospective review to see if it should or shouldn't have been covered. Or like if a, if a claim was denied, uh, you could be on like a denials team that kind of reviews uh, things that are sent back as like an appeal. Like you say no, and then the doctor says, no, actually I'm appealing this. I need you to look at this again. I have this reason, this reason, this reason, and then you may escalate it. So that would be kind of like after it's been denied. So there's a whole range, but you're basically working to kind of contain the costs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) But yeah, that one takes a little bit more of like an analytical, like, guideline by the books type of line don't you have to become like or should you be proficient in like medicare medicaid and then your coding um yeah they like that they like that but they again they don't really a lot of places don't expect people nurses to just have coding experience or even like honestly even insurance knowledge because like when you're you have a patient in the hospital like you're not I don't, I don't care what your insurance is. <laughs> That's not my job. So a lot of nurses don't even know that much about insurance, which is weird to think of. But, you know, as a nurse, it's like, when would I, when would I have time for that? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, I, I yeah. kind of love this job, but let me rephrase this. I have two good friends that are both in utilization review, utilization management. And I told them when they left uh, their positions, one was an ICU nurse and one was, I think, NICU. And I told them when they left their position, I'm like, you're going to hate it. It's going to be awful. <laughs> and they started it and they both love it. So I don't, 
Like, to me, I don't get it. I don't get why they like it, but don't knock it because... Until you try it. Yeah, yeah. because some people really do love this kind of career choice, and it is... They're both remote um, now, especially because of COVID. They weren't before, but even when they weren't remote, they really enjoyed it. So... Yeah, it takes a different type of mind and skill set, I think. But if you're good at that, then you would, like, love it. Honestly. Yeah, they love it. So if if you're interested in numbers and denying people their horrible. I you can't have this. If you like telling people no, yeah. <laughs> job for you. <laughs> no, if you if you like following rules, that's probably a good one. Or if you're a good person, yeah, yeah. Type yeah. Like, personality. Yeah. Yeah, you have a good sense of judgment and stuff. For okay. me, I'm kind of like I'm yeah. too indecisive. I'd be like, well, you know, no, I know he's upset. Just give him his meds, like, <laughs> right, right. But somebody else would be like, no, that's not covered. I don't care about him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it really depends. I'm just a terrible person. No, you're not. No, you're not. All right. So, how does someone get into this? Is this kind of similar with the case management? Where, I mean, as a nurse, you really, like you said, you don't have experience with insurance, and no, not really. So. You, what, you just shadow? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They usually, um, a lot of the case management departments are either uh, kind of running alongside utilization management departments or they're one in the same. So some case managers also do utilization management in their job. Um, so right. you can often either, if you can't find like a, a utilization management um, department at your hospital or something, you could always call the case management department and be like, where are these people? Like, <laughs> and it might be under a different name or something weird like that, like quality or oh. something strange that you might not. Oh yeah, like quality improvement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's usually it's usually, uh, well, it could be in that department, but usually it's own it's it's own it's its own department or alongside case management. And they're not always just specifically with hospitals either. Yeah. No, that's no. That's just the easiest way to find it if you're already in a hospital. Right. Um, but like private, obviously the, most of the remote ones are for private, like insurance companies. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then there's also like local kind of insurance or healthcare uh, organizations that do that as well. Um, just the hospital is just the most accessible to most people. For sure. But I mean, like you said, you post job listings all the time. So be on the lookout on, on <laughs> your website and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And all the social media platforms um, as well, especially if you're interested in any of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um, but just like with the case management, what's the deets on pay? Um, it's actually about the same as case management. I would say okay. sixty to eighty grand, and sixty to grand would be like starting. Um, I would say like seventy to eighty would be like you have a couple years experience in that, and then of course there's also nurses who make a lot more if they have a lot of experience or in there in like California or something like that. Um, but generally what I see is like between 60 to 80 grand. Okay. Very cool. So <laughs> are there any recommendations of any jobs that you can think of off the top of your head that if someone was trying to make a transition from bedside to remote nursing? Um, so like advice if you wanted to make the leap. Yeah, advice yeah. or even other jobs aside from case management and utilization. Yeah. 
Um, well, first of all, there's a couple different things. Another one would be triage, like telephone triage, where you take patient calls over the phone and kind of direct them to their level of care that they need. Um, that's an option. That one has become a little bit more popular with COVID because a lot of the pre-existing triage companies are now adding like COVID kind of hotlines to those. Uh Um, so, and then there's also, there's also some weird ones that aren't as easy, you know, well, none of them are easy to get into, but some that are a little bit more obscure, like data abstraction, um, where you're basically reviewing charts and taking information used for research or quality improvement or whatever. Um, there's also like online education where you could do like a online nursing program and teach that. Oh, that's um, a good one. that usually requires at least an MSN. And then most often it requires a DNP and teaching experience. So that one's pretty hard to get into. Well, um, for our teachers out there that don't want to go into the classroom anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's an option. There's all kinds of weird little things. And then there's different subsets of like utilization management or even coding. So there's some nurse coder jobs. Um, most of the coding jobs are designed for like coding people. Um, so you don't really expect like a nurse salary for those, but there are some nurse specific coding things like um, clinical documentation improvement, I believe is like in the coding realm realm. And it's kind of a better salary for nurses. So now, when you say coding, I think a few things come to my mind. No. I think like a coding patient. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I then think my husband's a, a programmer. So I think okay. computer programming. Mm-hmm. Or are you th- talking like insurance coding? Insurance yeah. coding. <laughs> oh. Insurance coding, like basically taking diagnoses, diagnoses and, and services and translating them into like a numbers language, basically. Yeah, everybody applies to those jobs. They sound really great. Stop it. (laughs) No, no, seriously, those are like very important because that's how how providers get paid and insurance makes sure they can like block (laughs) from having to pay this or that. I'm telling you, that's right there where the money's at. I'm only only teasing. Right. But yeah, (laughs) you can... Honestly, the first thing I always recommend is if you find a certain type of job role that you like, the best way, maybe not the easiest way, but the best way to get it as a remote job is to first get experience in that job role and focus on the job role itself because the competition is like insane. (laughs) And honestly, you are up against hundreds of other nurses applying to these jobs and probably 25% of them are like seasoned nurses in case management or utilization management. So like just from a employer's perspective, like why would they hire you? You know, because they have what they need, you know? Um, So that's my first tip is to always just like figure out kind of some roles that intrigue you and then try to work towards getting experience in those roles. Um, but at the same time, I would also apply to whatever you can find and whatever you're at least like mostly qualified for. I would say like 75% qualified for, even if you don't meet every requirement. Um, don't, I mean, I wouldn't apply to something that you're like sorely unqualified for. It's just probably a waste of time. But if there's like one or two parts of the requirements or like you have three years and they want four or five years, like just apply, like do it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I would, I would do like both things. I would apply for anything you can and I would try to work towards getting experience in that role or at least like volunteering for some roles in your current role that would be under that. 
Okay. So like if you let, if you work in a clinic or something, there's a lot of utilization management in a clinic because you're doing a lot of prior authorizations and dealing with insurance companies. So like highlight that in your resume and maybe volunteer to take more of those roles on as well or whatever. So kind of just build your resume, but also like, you know, try to apply to these things. Don't just not apply because you don't think you'll get it, but um, kind of a combination. Okay. And what about as far as like resume or interview tips to kind of like really wow wow them? Right. Because if it's remote, you're probably not even going to ever meet them in person. No. And honestly, a lot of these remote jobs, because there is so much competition, a lot of these companies use these resume robot um, kind of screening tools, which is called the applicant tracking system. And you will apply to a job. And before anybody even ever sees your resume, a robot scans it for keywords. And if not enough of those keywords match, it's just thrown out. (laughs) Like, it's not like applying to a hospital and having one little recruiter see 10 resumes. Like they, they need a system to sift through all these. So they use these robots. So the best way to kind of handle that is to read each job description and whatever you have in your resume that you're trying to communicate, that is the same thing that they're asking for. Make sure that you are saying it in their words and using their keywords. So if they, um, like one example is like I ha- there was a nurse who who did a lot of prior authorizations in her job. So she had it listed as like she was just describing what she did, but she didn't have that keyword of like utilization review or utilization management. And so you can like be creative with that and be like that, you, you know, you supported the utilization management process by doing all these things so that you at least get that keyword in there that they're looking for. Ah, um, see, that's, or, a, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Or like anything, just, I would go bullet by bullet on that required section and review each one. Like, do I meet that? If I do, where am I expressing that in my resume and how can I use it in their words? So (laughs) applying is kind of a, is a lot of work. It's not as easy as just like sending a hundred resumes out. You really kind of need to be the most effective. You do need to kind of like tailor them for each job, especially the really big insurance companies that are getting thousands of applicants wow. a day yeah. you know just lost yeah yeah okay. yeah it's gonna skip right over you right that's yeah I'm and like even it. sometimes occasionally I'll apply for something or I'll help my husband apply and we'll look at it and just it's not that hard it's just knowing that like knowing that you need to speak in their language really does help make the process a little easier because once you see two words that mean the same thing you're like oh okay well I'll just replace it you know um but it does take some getting used to. <laughs> but then, yeah, once once you get through that, if you get through that, um, then obviously like a recruiter would review your resume and um, go upon that normal step that we're all used to of throwing you in the trash can or calling you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't get thrown yeah. in the trash can right. and you get invited to an interview, do you have any big like interview tips? Um, yeah, most of these interviews are going to be remote as well. So via like video conferencing, um, the companies will usually invite you for an interview and kind of tell you how it's done. Um, it, they'll either, some of them are still by phone. Honestly, I just had one a couple months ago that was still just by phone and it was like a major insurance company. So, um, so those ones are, I mean, 
easy. I think it's just like you're on the phone. You don't really have to deal with the face to face, but um, a lot of them now are also video. So there are some things you should do like for video, you need to make sure that first and foremost, your audio and your video work. Um, you need to make sure you test it. A lot of times people will go in and they sound terrible and they have no idea because they haven't tested their equipment or anything. Um, and then just being prepared, just like you would. The good thing about having a remote interview is usually you could do it like in front of your computer. So um, I, if, if I'm applying to something, which I really don't do anymore, but if I do, it would be like, I would pull up the company website and have that up in my face. Um, same things you do for like a normal interview, review their mission and their news and all that stuff. Like just show some, some ounce that you've at least shown interest in them. Right. Um, and then also have your resume up so that you can refer to like dates and stuff that they ask. Um, and then also the original job description that you apply to. That's important <laughs> because you need to know what job you're talking about. So that helps when you're going through and they're asking you specific questions. You can be like, oh, okay. You, you kind of review what, what was required and make sure you mention that and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, it's not really much different than a normal interview. It's just virtual and you have to take into account all those kind of factors and make sure your internet's good because yeah, it right. you that doesn't look good when you're applying to a remote job that is based on internet. So <laughs> if you can possibly, um, hardwire your computer into the wall, like with an ethernet or cable, actually most of the, a lot of these companies actually require that for their job because of that issue. Um, but if you don't have that set up yet or whatever, just make sure you're in a good Wi-Fi area and hope for the best. <laughs> Quiet, right? Yeah. 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 Kids or dogs or a cat roaming down the hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like even, even right now in this, in this podcast, I'm like, I keep moving on my chair and keep hearing my chair squeak. And like, I know as somebody who hears other people, like you can hear that. you're weird stuff that is distracting so do make sure that your kids are out of the house or at least out of the room or you're not the door is locked it's one of those people if i'm interviewing my little leg is just like shaking i have to hit her don't be a complete garbage mess behind you yeah this is why Usually we did my office is a disgusting mess so i just shove all the mess into the corner they can't see and that's there fine. you go yeah <laughs> pro tips <laughs> exactly the real pro tip is to do a podcast and not a youtube channel <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. After all, it is COVID and we wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> but on a real note, I think it's important to kind of evaluate, like we talk about in our show a lot, our besides bedside segment, but why are you leaving bedside in the first place? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. not always, sometimes those problems follow you. Yeah. So yeah. is it a you issue? Or, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. But then the other thing is, is that if you're at the point where you're burnout and you want away from the bedside and, you know, like she was, Sadie was telling us, sometimes it takes like you're up against a thousand plus applicants. Like just because you applied for that job doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. I mean, like Sadie, Mm -hmm. do you know, like talking to different nurses that are applying through, through your platform, what the average time is before they even 
land an interview or a job doing something remotely. I think I read something that said it's like a year sometimes. Yeah, it can be months to a year or more. Right. (laughs) If you get it right away, you're either really lucky, they're hiring a bunch of people at once, or you're just really qualified. It's usually, it usually takes at least a couple months. And that's of consistently applying to things that you see weekly, you know. Oh, so that, that brings up a good point too, because, you know, you were saying like these things, they move fast, right? Like these jobs Mm -hmm. move fast, like applications, it it might be open, but like, I mean, if there's a job post and it's over a month old, what are the odds that even if you apply that it's actually open? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even more, um, true for remote jobs because a lot of the reason that they do close them early is because they get so many applicants. So after 300, like who cares? (laughs) It's just more, it's a waste of time for them because somewhere in that 300, they have got who they need, you know? And so they close it. So I have like an early alert membership that I do. And it was because of that, because as we got more people, I was sharing out these jobs to like 40,000 people. And then everyone would apply and these jobs would close. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) Okay, well, this I've created a problem, but no, I created a monster. It was already existing. Indeed, already has that problem whether or not I exist. So, yeah, but um, (laughs) the membership helps because then you can kind of get access to those jobs that I find, and I kind of hold them tight before I release them to everyone else. So that has kind of helped um, people at least be able to get your resume in quick because in this world, it matters to get in quick. It doesn't usually matter as much when you're applying to like your hospital or, or even somewhere local around your town or whatever, because you don't ha- you're not up against a thousand people. Maybe all like over the United States. Yeah. yeah. So, so they do close. I would say about actually, I know about almost fifty percent of the jobs are closed after a week of me sharing them out to like the to wow. the early alert people. So I didn't even realize that. When before I started that, I just thought oh, a lot of them close. I don't know what how many, but it's really around fifty percent that close within a week. Wow, it's crazy. So my takeaway from this is, if you're serious about doing something remote, then you need to be applying with purpose to these jobs so your resume matches and early mm-hmm. and often and like casting a like wide. voting. Yeah, early and often. Early and often. Yes. Apply early. Apply often. Vote early. Vote often. <laughs> But it's casting out a large net, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And don't get so, don't get so like, honestly, don't get so excited about any individual job. You really need to like apply to anything and everything that you can with the time that you have um, and, and keep doing it because you're going to get a lot of rejections and you're going to get even more just ghostings. Like no one's ever going to respond to you. And a lot of people take that personally because, especially as nurses, we're so used to kind of being given jobs that are like in dire need. <laughs> so it kind of hurts the ego or it makes you feel like you're a piece of crap kind of if like you, you're not getting calls. Like what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. You just have so many people that either applied before you or have just like one more year experience than you. And yeah, so that's a, an adjustment to just be prepared for. <laughs> So do you have any good, I know you have the remote nurse and everything with that. Do you have any other things that you're working on behind the scenes right now? 
Um, yeah, so I have the job board. We have the early alert membership that I just kind of started a couple of months ago, um, where again, you get like early, I basically find all these jobs. I basically almost now my full-time job is finding jobs, which is weird. But um, I will share about 50 jobs a week to those people that are in the membership and just kind of hold those tight for them to get applications in. Um, and then I'll release it out. So everything on my website is free. You can find jobs there. Um, all the social medias I have, the remote nurse, that's what my name everywhere, um, except Twitter, because I don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> but, Neither do uh, I. Hannah has to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't care. <laughs> I Maybe I can help you out with that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah, I pay, I post daily jobs uh, Monday through Friday, um, just things that have opened up and I've found. So you can always go on there and just casually look. Um, and then I have like a course. It's like a remote nursing job crash course that kind of goes over 10, I think 12 now, 12 different specialties that you can do remotely. Um, yeah. And in the coming months, I'm doing more like more kind of educational things to on how to apply effectively, like how to do your resume differently for these jobs, how to, how to kind of stay on track and know what you've applied to and kind of that more of that I'm working on now, but that doesn't oh, exist. Yet. That sounds like an awesome resource. So as you, as you launch that, you have to keep in touch with us so we can kind of definitely. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah, our, I really our listeners out on the lookout so that they can have those resources for them as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but regardless, just the remotenurse.com, that is where the, you can find the job board. You can find everything there. Um, okay. But the job board is completely accessible to anybody with an internet connection. So, And the, all these jobs go to external links like on Indeed or on the company website. So like, I'm not a recruiter. I don't have connections where I'm actually helping people get hired. I am literally just collecting these jobs and making them searchable for your license, your location, your specialty. And then you can just kind of see immediately what matches you and apply to those. So Great. And that service is for not only nurses, but nurse practitioners and PAs, physician yes. assistants. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. So yes. our advanced practice people out there, if you want to leave your job, you can too. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's doing <laughs> Everyone's burnt out. This brings us to our favorite part. Your favorite my part. favorite part. No, not yours. My favorite part, the three R's. So your regrets, your redos, and your rewards. They can be regrets of not taking an opportunity or, you know, maybe taking an opportunity and you're like, it was not the one for me. You let us know. Okay. Me. Everyone hates these questions. Yeah. Especially the regrets. <laughs> That's why I put it first. Because everybody's like, I no. don't know. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Well, regrets... <laughs> I hate like being cliche, but I really do not have regrets because right now I am not burned out. I am not unhappy. I am really happy with where I am. So now being happy, I don't have any regrets, but if I was unhappy, I'd probably still have a lot of regrets <laughs> because I wouldn't have my crap together yet. Yeah. <laughs> but now looking back, it's like everything that kind of was uh, a weird decision or like, why am I doing this? Now I realize, oh, I use that to get to the next step, to the next step. And now I'm here and I wouldn't have gotten here without doing those things. So now I can say, I don't regret going into nursing or <laughs> anything like I mean, that because now I'm doing this and this is awesome. So fair enough. Yeah. yeah. It's like you found purpose in every decision that you made, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. So like if, if I didn't find purpose in it, I could probably have a lot of regrets. I mean, 
sure. But I think, I think it's just to like look at too. how you look at it, I guess. And now redos. They could be good ones. Like, like, oh, this was so awesome. I just want to do it over. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, you want to redo another interview with us. <laughs> well, okay. So a redo, again, I don't, it's hard for me because I don't like really look back a lot. But I guess just like now that just came to me, it would be more so with like the remote nurse and stuff and doing it earlier and just. I was so afraid. I was just like, well, why would anyone want to listen to me? Like, who cares <laughs> what I have to say? And I guess that can relate to oh, a lot of different relate, things that a lot of people go through. Relate to that. What'd you say? Yeah, that's uh, us. We can, we can totally relate to that completely. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. this has been so successful that I could have, I could have been doing this earlier. Like I spent a year just sharing jobs for free all the time doing, you know, like just giving endlessly to like the people at strangers. <laughs> and then eventually I realized like, no, like I'm spending at least a part-time job hours. I have a baby. I have a family. Like, why am I not watching TV all night? Like I love watching TV and I haven't watched a show in a year. So like I need to monetize this and make sure that it's like sustaining me as well. So I, I do wish I would have done that earlier and really like valued my time more um, because it has been really successful really quickly once I decided that like my time is worth something. <laughs> so right. yeah, I would redo that. But also like all that time kind of gained a lot of like trust in me. So I feel like that also helped be sure. where I am now. But still, I would redo kind of like my mind back then. And last but not least. Rewards. <laughs> Rewards. Um just nursing in general has rewarded me like it not being a nurse I didn't love being a nurse but it has rewarded me in the sense that I've been able to find all these weird positions and roles and it's expanded my mind as to what like a nurse can do and that has really helped me be able to communicate that to other nurses who don't really know that or who haven't figured that out yet um so although nursing <laughs> nursing and me aren't probably the most compatible things it really has been the basis of what is compatible for me, which is helping people. So that has been really rewarding in that sense. You know, yeah. <laughs> Aww. And you rewarded us by coming on our show. We really appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely. If you want to find more remote jobs, if you're interested in anything that Sadie had to say today, find her at the the remote nurse. I can't even speak, mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to be speaking on a podcast. So find her on... <laughs> At the remote nurse or the remote nurse.com. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Sadie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget every Friday we drop a new episode. And if you, if you want to support us, make sure to get, leave us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you could also make sure that you're following us for our updates on our socials at Nurses No Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta.